You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Lots of kids again this morning, and uh, as I look back on the last 10 years, that's, that's been a theme, lots of kids, so... Uh, really thankful for, for that and uh, for all the hard work uh, that our Redemption Kids folks do on a weekly basis. One of the things that we said early on was um, uh, we're not here to babysit your kids so that you can come in and to service. We're here to help train your kids, and um, that's what's happening um, on a weekly basis as they go through God's Word. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys knew this, but they go through uh, Genesis through Revelation in three years, and then they hit repeat, and they do it again. So um, they're getting a well-orbed uh, education in the Word of God to help you guys as you disciple your children. Well, this morning, I'm going to preach a sermon that I preached on that first Sunday. And um, as I, I, I told someone who was there that he said, well, hopefully minus the ums. Okay, so... I've always appreciated the honesty in our church. It's like, hey, just tell me the way it is, right? And um, so, so that's good. But we talked about the unstoppable church on that first Sunday. We, we, we talked about a church that will never be defeated, a church that is growing in numbers and in depth of maturity, a church that is having a daily impact on this earth, a church that is seeing people taken from death and brought to life. A church that is bringing hope to a lost and dying world. A church that is seeing lives changed and altered for eternity. A church that's not just having an impact here in Canada, but around the world. And will continue to do so until Christ returns. How many of you want to be a part of a church like that? Well, that's Christ's church. And you look back over the last 2,000 years... The fact that there are churches today is a testimony to the fact that the church is supernatural. When you consider the odds against it from without and from within, let's be honest, sometimes from within, it's incredible that there is a church today. But there is a church today because Christ is the one who's building his church. And there are some folks who call themselves churches, right? They'll throw a sign up that says they're a church. But uh, those churches who don't follow God's word eventually just go away. But, but the churches that understand that it is Christ who builds this church and that it is under his authority that we operate, those churches are blessed of God and continue on. And that's what we see God doing over and over and over again. Those churches who are holding firm to his word, they They are strengthened and they continue on. And those churches are kind of like, well, you know, we studied this book for a while. Let's just kind of put that away and do our own thing now. Uh, Those churches just eventually just stop being churches and they're gone. We this morning want to celebrate the fact that Christ's mission never changes. Like, I'm so thankful that today I'm not like, well, you know what? The first 10 years, this is what our mission was. Now, Get ready for this whole new mission that we're going to be doing the next 10 years. Like, that's not how it works, right? So, so the first 10 years, the things that we're going to be talking about this morning were a mission. And guess what? 
for the next 10 years and the next 10 years until Christ comes, this will be the mission. And so to understand what is the mission, we need to turn to the Gospel of Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter 16 is where we're going to start. And uh, if you have a pen and paper this morning, I'm going to be giving you a bunch of other verses outside of Matthew as we go through this, but I, I want us to camp in Matthew, and, uh, and then you can just write down the other verses and look them up for yourself later. But Matthew 16, 18, I want us just to be given the context before we look at the verse. And Jesus had asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And so they kind of, well, here's some of the things that people are saying. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Uh, Some think you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Peter says, after Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Peter says this, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, you are the Messiah. You are God's son. And Jesus' response to him is that, Blessed are you, Peter, not that flesh and blood has revealed this to you, but that God has revealed this to you. And then he says this to Peter in verse 18 as we pick it up. And he says this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there's been a whole lot of ink spilled on, okay, what is the rock. What is, what is it that, that God is saying he's going to build the church on? There's three different ideas. Some think that Peter is the rock that the church will be built on. Some think it is Peter's confession of who Jesus was that is the rock. And then others believe that Jesus is the rock. Now, when it comes to Bible interpretation, I, I think this is really helpful, is that if the literal sense makes common sense, then seek no other sense. All right? All right? If the literal sense makes common sense, then seek no other sense. And, and so when we see in Ephesians 2.20 that, that the church was built on the apostles, I think it's okay for us to say, you know, not, not to be like pro-Catholic, right? I think that's why we kind of have all these different interpretations. But, but to say what Jesus was saying, you are Petros, and upon this Petra, I will build my church. And, and, and so using Peter, he was going to build his church. Now, what I want us to make sure we note as we look at this text, what does he say? I will build my church. Christ is the one who will build his church. And he'll use people like Peter to do so. I mean, remember, this is pre-denial of Christ three times that Jesus knew what's going to happen. And yet he says, Peter, I'm going to use you to build my church. And he's still using people like Peter today. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29 talks about the fact that Jesus chooses the foolish, the weak, the low, and despised to build his church so that no man may boast. As we look back over the last 10 years, this has been the case right? And God has used people like me, people who are lowly, people who are foolish, people who are weak and despised, and he has built his church. And I pray this morning that you're here saying, more, more God. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your will be done in this city. I want to see 
what, the, the, that we would fill your mission and to be on your mission instead of our mission, right? So easy for you and I to kind of get off the rails and kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, the church thing, that's great, but I kind of got my mission. So from like 20 through 65, I'm going to do my thing. And then, you know, on the side, kind of as a part-time hobby, I'm going to do Jesus thing. But it should be reversed, right? Our mission should be his mission. So what is the mission? We'll turn over a few pages to Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. If you've been going to church for any length of time, you're going to be like, this is not new. That is correct, all right? You, you, will, you will be reminded as we look at the context here that after Jesus was crucified and nailed to a cross and died, he rose again three days later. And after he rose again, the disciples, they weren't sure what was going on. In fact, as we look at verse 17, there were some who were still doubting. As to, is this really Jesus? Like, what's, what's happening? Like, and, 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 and then this is what Jesus said in verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came, even through those who were doubting, and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, first of all, makes clear that his is the authority. He has the authority. And note how many times the word all is used here, right? But when speaking of his authority, he says he has authority where? Just in heaven and on earth. That's all, right? In other words, he has all authority. He alone has a position where he not only has the credentials to say, thus saith the Lord, but he also has the power to back it up. A lot of people, you know, you and I can complain about all kinds of things, and we can murmur and whatever, you know, like whether it's, you know, the the topic of the last six months or whatever, you know, we can like, well, I think they should do what. Do you and I have any authority to do anything about it? No, we do not, right? right? But when Jesus says something, he has the power to back it up. And so after saying that he has all authority in heaven and earth, he tells the disciples what they are to do. And this brings us to our first point. First thing that he wants us to do is to see that lost people are saved. Lost people are saved. Note it says, he wants us to go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Why is someone baptized? What is it that precipitates their baptism? It's their salvation. When, when someone comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they get baptized. They, they give an outward symbolic that we go through an outward symbolic uh, time to say, hey, this is what's happened in my life. Just as I went into the water dead, I've been raised to new life in Jesus Christ. What I'm doing here in the water has happened inter- internally in me. And Jesus says in uh, Luke 19.10 that he has come to seek and to save the lost. 
Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. What does it mean to be lost? Anyone ever been lost? I, I remember in our first year, I was just talking to the guys at prayer this morning. Like, I remember the first year, it was like, I don't know how many times we were like, we tried coming here last week, but we got lost, right? A Google Maps for whatever, you'd wind up like over by the garbage dump over at Spy Hill for some reason. I'm not sure exactly what was going on with that, but people would get lost. And you and I understand what it means to be lost. You, you, I know where I want to go, but I can't get there. And, and the Bible says a whole lot about the fact that you and I are lost. A lot of people want to go to heaven, but they don't know how to get there. I mean, is that true? I mean, in our sophisticated age, do, is there a lot of people still think, believing in a place called heaven? 100%. When do you see that most manifested? When you go to a funeral, right? Bailey is in a better place now, right? How many people say that? They always say they're in a better place. And, and they take comfort in that. The question is, is Billy truly in a better place? How would we know that? Well, the only way that we can know whether or not Billy is in a better place is whether or not he has fallen under the authority of the Word of God and done what the Word of God says needs to be done. This is our authority. How many times have I said over the last 10 years, I have nothing for you, right? I don't. The Word of God has everything for us. We don't gather together under my authority. We gather together under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. And so what does the Bible tell us about our spiritual state? Do we just naturally born good people and then we're going to go to heaven someday? Is that what the Bible says? Well, the bad news is, is it does not say that. Let's be reminded of what the Bible tells us about who we are spiritually. First, we see in Romans 3, and this is where I'm going to encourage you to just write things down because I'm going to go through these quickly. But Romans 3, 10 through 12 says this, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Anyone here uh, exempt from what was just said there? No. There is no one who has done, done good, not even one. No one who has sought after God. Isaiah, when he saw the Lord, he said to this, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When he's seen the Lord God, he understood his true spiritual, uh, his true spiritual, thank you, nature. And, and, and the fact is what? That he was lost, that he was a sinner, and some of you might sit here today and say, well, I mean, Isaiah, he must not have been a very good person. You know, he maybe didn't go to church or he wasn't kind to people. I'm not sure what this guy was, but I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says that there is no one who is good. As I've already said, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Psalm, 1, 1, uh, Psalm 51 verse 5 says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, I was born with a sin nature and I sinned. 
we got to, um, in the back there, I, I just I kind of quickly, kind of out of the corner of my eye, I got to see there's some brand new babies born in our church the last couple of weeks. And, 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 you know, one of the things that we teach a lot in, in our general culture is like, oh, you know, you're a good little boy or you're a good little girl. That's not true. Right? That is not true. And, 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 and I'm not sure who these parents are who say that, because I remember being a parent in those early days and thinking, like, what didn't take long to see that I had a little sinner on my hands, right? Before, long before they could talk, I understood they had a sinful nature. That's what the Bible tells us. That, that we're not basically good people, but that we're basically bad people who sin. And, and then make all kinds of excuses to try to make ourselves still look good. That's what the Bible teaches about us. In this, in this state of being lost apart from God, he says it another way, that you're dead spiritually. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says this. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. This is all our story. And we were all at one time dead in our sins. Not only were we uh, lost spiritually, not only were we dead, not only were we guilty of sin, but we were darkened in our understanding. In other words, our minds didn't function in the way that they ought to function. Ephesians 4.18 says they are darkened. Those who do not, do not know Christ, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And Paul says something very similar in 2 Corinthians 4.4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Thinking we're so smart, thinking we know everything and really knowing nothing, and walking in disobedience to God. Romans 11.30 tells us that, that we walked in disobedience to him. Even if you believed if there was a God, you wanted him to conform to your standards rather than you conforming to his standards. Even if you wanted to change, you were powerless to do so. John 8, 34 says, Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Let's be reminded this morning, this was who you were apart from Christ. Uh, this is true of all mankind. This was not just a special bad group of people. As I've said, this is true of all mankind apart from Christ. As you consider these things, it's pretty, it's pretty depressing, right? Lost, dead, not just a sinner, but a slave to sin, walking in disobedience, not concerned about seeking God, and darkened in your understanding. But this is where the good news comes in. If you don't understand that news, the good news, you're like, I don't, I don't need the good news because I don't believe that. But this is what the Word of God teaches. This is what we base our faith on. 
that we were all people like this, but Christ came to seek and to save the lost. Amen? Amen. The great news is this. He has come to give the dead life. He has come to set the sinner free and to give us understanding. Many of you, maybe all of you here today, I'm not sure where you're at with the Lord, but you understand what I'm talking about. You have a, I was, but God testimony, right? This is who I was. Maybe, maybe for you is like, I don't, you know, I was like four. I don't remember a lot of the before stuff, but I do know this, is that I was a sinner and Christ has saved me. I had sinned against a holy God and through Jesus Christ, I have been set free. Let's just remember what the Bible says again, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. In other words, if you were to get payment for your sin, it would be death, eternal death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice and holiness. Someone must pray, pay the price for our sins. Without Christ, the Bible tells us that we will receive eternal punishment for our sins of sinning against the eternal God. But listen what the Bible says, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And to be the propitiation is to be our substitute. He became the atoning sacrifice for us. He has paid the price for our sins. So then what must be done to have this life, to have this eternal life? What must I do in order to receive Christ's forgiveness? The Bible tells us that you must repent and believe. That's what Jesus said in Luke 5, 32. Peter, in his first sermon in Acts 2, 38, said that he mu you must repent. Acts 3, 19, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. Acts 17, 30, Paul calls all people to repent. So what does repentance look like? Many of you know the story of the prodigal son. The son who wanted what? To have fun. To live life for himself. So he goes to his dad and says, basically, I wish you were dead, but because you're not, can I have my inheritance? Can I, can I have what's coming to me now? And the father gives it to him, and then he goes off, and he lives life to the fullest. He takes Lie all of life's pleasures, and in doing so, he squanders everything he has. And as he's destitute, as he has nothing, as he's feeding pigs, which for a Jewish man was like the worst job you could ever have, as he's feeding pigs, he, he comes to his senses, he, he grows in his understanding, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm not worthy to be called his son anymore, but I'm going to go to him. I'm going to humble myself before him and just ask that I might be his servant. The man who had went in pride asking his dad for all this inheritance now has been humbled. This is what repentance looks like. 
And so he goes to the Father, and of course we know that the Father runs out to meet him. Incredible picture of our Heavenly Father and his love towards us. And he goes and he confesses that he has sinned against the Father, that he's unworthy of forgiveness. That's true of you and I. To go to the Father, repenting of your sin and saying, God, I'm unworthy of your forgiveness. I know that I've sinned against you. But then this, you place your faith in him, saying, but I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ paid for my sins upon the cross. Lord, please forgive me. And then live for him for the rest of your life. Believe on him as Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, believe on him as Lord. In other words, he's your master. And believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven you and you will be saved. And if that is true of you, your whole life has changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away and new things have come. It is good for the people of God to remember this. To remember all that God has done on your behalf and that he wants to do it in the lives of those people around you. This is not a truth just for you and I. It is a truth for the whole world, and they must hear. As I have had the opportunity to look back over the last 10 years, it is incredible to think about the lives that have been changed through God's grace. I, as I look around and I just start like, thinking about your testimonies, it is like, it, it's easy to get really emotional really quick because... <laughs> As, as a believer, you can see God working in someone's life and they don't see it yet. Like, let's be honest. If you're coming here on a weekly basis and you're not saved yet, God is working in your life, right? What is here to attract you otherwise? We're in a gymnasium, right? The preacher goes way too long, Right? We're not just kind of in and out. And, and, and he talks about me being a bad person. Who wants to hear that? Like, but God draws, his, draws his people. And then he opens their eyes. He takes those blinders off and he says, see? See what it says about my love for you and what I've done for you? How I went to the cross on your behalf so that you could be reconciled to me. And I'm praying in this next 10 years that God would bring in a great harvest. That we would see so many people saved in this city. It doesn't take, 2020 has revealed one thing. We, lived in a really mess, we live in a really messed up world, right? And, and a lot of people are, well, there's so many opportunities right now for the gospel. And I'm praying that God will use our church to see many people come to faith. As we leave here, that we be on his mission and one of the things I want us to do is just be remember the importance of prayer. And so I'm going to ask Matt if you'll just come up right now. And Matt's one of our elders. And he's just going to pray that for our church. God has been so faithful. You know, like looking back on different baptisms, you know, and all that. And it's just like, wow. Like that was so cool that to hear what God did in that person's life. But we're praying that God would just continue to use us to see lost people saved. So Matt, why don't you pray for that now? Good morning. Um, will you pray with me? Father, 
your cause of seeing lost people saved, the spiritually dead raised to life ought to awaken our hearts for to bring honor to your name is our sole desire. Father, we long that others should know you and rejoice in you, that all men might love and praise you, that Jesus might have all glory that is due unto him. We acknowledge that in and of ourselves we will falter and fail in this task, but you can accomplish great things. The cause is yours, and it is to your glory that men should be saved. Lord, use us as you would. Do with us what you would. Promote your cause. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that great numbers might be brought to Jesus. While we live, let us labor for you to the utmost of our strength, spending time profitably in the work of evangelism, both in health and in weakness. It is your cause and kingdom we long for, not our own. Father, answer our request. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we desire to see lost people saved, but then that's not the end of the mission. Note that God wants to see saved people matured. Look back at the text again. After the people are baptized, then he says this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We need to be growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to be growing in our love for the Lord. And we do so by learning God's word together. It was Jesus was talking to his disciples. He's like, okay, I've been pouring into you now for three years. Now pass it on. And they passed it on. And then the next generation passed it on. And you and I now in 2020, we have the opportunity to pass on this knowledge to one another. And one of the, uh, if you're new to the church here this morning, one of the things that we've done this last 10 years is to go through one book at a time in God's word. We've been through the book of Ruth, First and Second Samuel, Ecclesiastes, Obadiah, Jonah, Nahum, Haggai, Malachi, John, Acts, Ephesians, Colossians, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, 1 Peter, and 2 John. We went through sections in Psalms and Proverbs, Matthew. And next week, we begin Romans. And uh, buckle up. And, and it's like, like what, what's been so cool to me the last 10 years is like, this is the best book in the Bible. Every time I'm like going through it and then next week, you know, I'm next to a new book and it's like, wow, this, like God's word is so rich, you guys. And we need to be growing in our knowledge of God's word. And so we do that together on a Sunday morning, but then we spur one another on to continue to do so individually during the week. We have to grow. Ligonier just uh, came out with uh, just some, a survey they, they did of the evangelical church. Can I just give you some really disturbing stats? 31% of people in evangelical churches, and so that would describe what our kind of church, an evangelical church, 31% say science disproves the Bible. 33% say, 33% say gender is a choice. 38% say Jesus was not God. 62% say God accepts all religions. 
62% say the Holy Spirit is the force. 66% say people are good by nature. And then 75% God, say God first created Jesus. That's a problem. Like just, just in case you don't realize, like that, none of that was true, right? God did not create that first Jesus, that people are not good by nature. Like, but so many people in churches like ours don't understand. How is that possible? It's because they're not learning what the Word of God says. And so that's why this is our authority. This is why we must cling to this. And of course, we don't want to just grow in knowledge. We want our lives changed. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Why don't we just flip over to Ephesians 4 real quick. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. What does maturing look like? What's the process that God uses in his church? It's studying his word, but, but what does it look like in the church? Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Verse 11 says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And Jesus has given leaders for the church for what purpose? To train them in the word of God. The primary purpose of leadership in the church is to help people understand what God's word says. That's their job. If they're not doing their, that job, they're not doing their job. Verse 13 how long do we do this? Until we all attain. Who? We all, right? If you're from the South, y'all, right? We all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We all should be growing. If this is your church home, our concern as a leadership is that you would all be growing. Not just like, well, you know, 10% are growing. That's pretty good. Like, no, all Every single person who calls upon the name of Christ should be growing so that what? So that we would look more like Jesus. That's the goal, to be Christ-like, to look like our Savior. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That survey should make us mourn for the church. That help it, like we need to get on our knees and say, Lord, be merciful to us. Raise up leaders who would not be, like, like, like seriously. Like, like that they would be so influenced by our society that they would not understand these things. God, we, we, we pray, would you continue to raise up leaders for your church that they, we may not be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Rather, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. In other words, this responsibility of growth is for all of us to share. And now the leaders lead, but then you need to have an investment as well, speaking the truth in love to one another. Those two things go hand in hand, truth and love. Uh, some folks are like, they're the truth police, right? I got, they got you guys, right? Okay, I'm listening, I'm listening. That was, what you just said there was wrong. And then they'll come after you and want to like pound on you. And it's like, well, where's the love, right? That, 
And then there's the love people that are like, well, truth, schmirth, you know, whatever. We can kind of like, you know, like, can we just get around and say kumbaya? And like, we're all in this together. And, uh, you know, like, you know, like the Muslims, they're okay. And, and the Jews, they're okay. We're all going to heaven. Well, then why did Jesus die? That seems like a really bad idea if there's other ways to heaven. Right? So, but it's truth and love. See verse, verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Love. The goal is that we would grow in our love for one another, that, our, that we would grow in our love for Christ. And, and note, he is the one who is doing it. That's the incredible part. He not only tells us what to do, and then he's like, now let me help you do it. Right? He's given us his spirit to equip us to do everything he calls us to do. It's an incredible thing. Often at the end of the services, we'll say, know this, you are loved, right? Why do we do that? We want love to be evident amongst us continually. We don't want it just to be a tagline. Oh, yeah, yeah, remember that? But like the truth of what is happening here on a weekly basis, that people would understand that Jesus loves them. If this is the only, it only come one time, we want them to know that Jesus loves them. And we want his love to be evident amongst us. So as a church, we focus not on a quantity of disciples, but a quality of discipleship. Christ, he is building his church through seeing lost people saved and saved people matured. But God doesn't leave us where we're at. He, wa- he, wants, to grow, he wants to grow us, he wants to use us, And then he wants to multiply us. That's our third point. Mature people multiplied. Mature people multiplied. Look again now at verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. First we see the demand. Go. The way when you look at the Greek here is literally this. As you are going. As you are going what? Make disciples. As you're going, make disciples. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. As you go to work, keep in mind your call to make disciples. As you live in your neighborhood, remember the call to make disciples. Wherever we go, we're to make disciples. Jesus says this, the harvest is plentiful, in Matthew 9, 37 to 38. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There are, again, as I mentioned earlier, so many people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. How can we keep it for ourselves? Do not be intimidated by the world. Do not be intimidated by the media or the government or anyone else. Let us proclaim with joy the good news of Jesus Christ as we go and make disciples. Where should we do that? Just all nations. Once all the nations are done, then we can maybe, then maybe Mars, I guess. I don't know where that would be the next. But, but that's, like, we're not, the church is not limited by borders. It's not limited by governments. The unstoppable church is to go into all the nations preaching the gospel and making disciples. And as we just look back on the last 10 years, we've, we've had the opportunity to do that in Nepal. We've had the opportunity to do that in Moldova, in Uganda, in, in unreached people groups in Asia. And, and what's next, right? Like we don't know where the Lord is going to lead us next. We have some ideas of what might be next, but God is leading us 
And then when it came to, to, to our own area, we, we've seen God plant a church in South Calgary. Whitfords are here this morning. We, we, we've ha- seen an opportunity to plant a church in Olds. And now we're praying about a church in Red Deer. And the Gervins are here this morning. You guys want to just stand up? I, I, I just, you guys, they're right, like right this week, what are they doing? They're looking for a home in Red Deer. And I want you guys, like I, I'm asking you to stand up because please pray for them. Daily, be praying for them. They, like every church plan is a miracle. If God is not with them, it's not going to happen, right? So, so be praying for them for a house. And, and if you know people in Red Deer, like they need to meet the Gervins. Like tell them, okay? Or, or drive up with them and then introduce them. Thank you guys. You can sit down, right? But be praying for them. And we're praying that in 2021, we'll see the next church launched for God's glory and for his honor. How long do we do this? Until the end of the age. Like this mission is the mission until Christ returns, until the end of the age. And then Christ will come and he will reign forevermore and we'll be in his presence. It's gonna be an awesome, awesome day. I'm praying that that's soon, right? I'm okay if we don't make another 10 years because Christ came back, amen? Right, that'd be, that'd be okay. And so I wanna, I wanna just, again, just, we wanna continue to pray. I, I'm gonna ask uh, Adam if he would come and just pray for us now. And, and as he comes, I want, if you were here that first Sunday, would you just stand up for a minute? If you were here that first Sunday, when we didn't have any clue what was going to be, please stand, yeah, there's, yeah, thank you. Uh, for these guys sacrificed so that we could all be here today. I want, can we just thank the Lord for them this morning? Right? Okay, you guys can have a seat. But I'm so thankful for these guys because I remember like, Hey, do you want to be a part of this thing? Okay, where are you meeting? Well, we're not sure yet, right? Like, well, what, what do you guys have? Well, we don't have anything yet. Like, that's why you're here, right? Like, that's, and they, they're like, okay, Lord, I'll be willing to use, be used to the Lord for that. And, and uh, so we're so thankful for them. And God has multiplied the number, amen? All right, Adam, why don't you pray for us? Join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we bless your name. We thank you that we can call you Father, that you have redeemed us and adopted us as children. Uh, We thank you for sending your Son to purchase us uh, with the blood of Christ like we've heard this morning already. And and we know that you've purchased us so that we would belong to you, so that we would become like you, uh, that we may share in your holiness because you are good and because you want to display for the world uh, what it means to be a child of God. And Lord, we know that that's what you have purchased us for and you want us to grow and increase in love and, and faithfulness and in good works and you are uh, our father and the vine dresser. We feel your, your pruning on a daily basis and we thank you for it, that you are making us to become more and more like our king. So God, we pray for more of that still We pray that you would strengthen us to abide daily in Christ, to commune with your Son, to commune with you and with the Holy Spirit, that we may glory in you and see your beauty each and every day. Father, we we know that your word says, Jesus, that you have spoken uh, your word to us, that our joy, that your joy may be in us and that our joy may be full. We want to grow in you and delight ourselves in you and be full of joy to your glory. 
Uh, as Paul prayed, we also pray that we may increase and abound in love uh, so that we may uh, have discernment in all things and uh, increase in righteousness and, uh, and love for one another and love for the world. We know that it is your desire to establish your people as oaks of righteousness and holiness before the world, uh, a planting of the Lord for the display of your splendor. So Lord, we just pray together this morning. We come to you before your throne of grace and we lift up uh, Redemption North and South and Olds and Red Deer and, and we just ask humbly before you, Father, that you would strengthen us, that you would continue to do your work, that you would continue to uh, make us more and more like Jesus Christ each and every day. We wanna rejoice daily in you. So we thank you for these things. We look expectantly to what you are going to continue to do for this is your will for us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So lost people saved, saved people matured, mature people multiplied. What's the last part? All to the glory of God, right? All to the glory of God. That's our last point this morning. As we look at the verses once again, we see that Jesus promises to be with us even to the end of the age. It is his power and his authority that, that, that enables the church to obey his call. He is with us always. He enables us is for his glory. Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Back in Matthew 16, 18, we see that Christ is building his church. And note that it also says, he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, but then this, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Some of your Bibles will say gates of Hades. Some people believe that it's referring to death's attempts to thwart the church, while others think that it is hell's attempts to thwart the church. While we could debate both positions, this is, the, the, the bottom line is this, nothing will prevail against the church that Christ is building. Nothing. There is no government that can overcome Christ's church. There is no religion that can overcome Christ's church. There is, Hollywood will not overcome Christ's church. There's no philosophy or education that will overcome Christ's church. And for the last 2,000 years, Christ has been building his church. It is unstoppable. And that will continue until he returns. As I look back on the last 10 years, it is undeniable that it has all been God. Every single bit of it. I, I remember <laughs> just a few weeks ago, we're, we're getting ready to do this video we're going to watch in just a minute. And, and I'm, I'm trying to, like, I'm just, at the beginning, I'm just like, is this all God? And, I, I can't, and then I'm like, I can't talk for like five minutes because I'm just so overwhelmed by the fact that it's just Him. Like, it began with God just giving me an incredible family that, that, that you know, pack up, my, my wife would be willing for us to pack up my, my not even three-year-old yet and 18-month-old, and we moved to L.A. and go to school, and that she'd be okay with that in any way. And that Hope would go to three schools in two different countries in her first four years of school. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what your kids are going through, but that was, that was a lot. And, 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 and you know, and, and then the leadership that God has brought over the years. It's just, the elders, that, that they're installed 10 days before Hope has a brain injury. 
And then the weight is on them to lead the church. And they did such an awesome job through it all. And, 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 and the elders that God has given us now, like it's just, it's incredible to me to look back and, and then to look at the staff. A young Josh Gosen, who's now in Olds, he comes, he's like, okay, let's do this. What do you need? I just need, basically need a vehicle and a job. Okay, we got it. Let's do this. And so, you know, he, he comes and, and then there's a guy by the name of Jay Maynard who was here in the early years. And then those guys transition out and then God gives us Michael and Joel. Like just, I, I don't know what I'd do without those two guys, right? And, and, then, and then people like Holly and Penny and, and just as I look back, I'm like, God, you're just doing your thing. Like I really feel like I'm just on the sidelines and I, I'm hoping somehow God will use me somehow. Like really. And, 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 and so it is truly all for his glory. And so this morning, we're not here to talk about anything new. We are going to continue on in the same mission. We're going to, Lord willing, we're going to continue to join Christ in what he's doing, which is building his church. And I'm praying this morning that you're kind of like, yeah, let's get fired up about that, right? Who cares about COVID? Like, no more talk about COVID. You know what I'm saying? Right? Yeah, it exists. We have to do these little things, whatever. Move on. Let's get back on mission. Amen? There are so many opportunities right now for the gospel. I'm telling you. Like, I, the opportunities I've had just with my neighbors of, as of late is, like, incredible. So let's get back on mission and let's see Christ. Christ is still on the throne. Amen? COVID hasn't stopped that. So let's get on mission. And I'm praying this year, like I'm telling you, next week, Romans, if you have unsaved friends and family, come, like tell them, come to church, right? If they live in, you know, tuk-tuk-tuk, then you tell them to get online and just follow along. Like if you want to know what the doctrine of salvation is, this is it. And we're going to go through verse by verse, and it's going to be an incredible, rich time for us. I'm praying God will grow us greatly through that time. Lost people saved, saved people matured. But your people multiplied all for the glory of God. Let me pray. God, we love you. You are so good to us in every way, God. You're so faithful. Lord, as we look back on our meager little efforts of 10 years ago to try to get a church started, and we see how, Lord, you just have blessed that over the last 10 years, it, it truly we say what the word says, not to us, but to you, O oh God, be the glory. Lord, we pray that we, you will continue to use us to see your church built. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We want your great name to be proclaimed. So Lord, give us boldness, not just in this room, but everywhere that we go. Lord, help us to be on your mission to make disciples. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.